It's football and other F-words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F-wordspod. Rocking, if you're on YouTube, rocking a nice Memphis Tigers uh, multicolored neon shirt. Uh, to my left would be will be Mike Herndon, at Mike Herndon NFL on Twitter. You can see uh, all of his written content at paulkarski.com, where this week he talked about the many moves and how they affect the salary cap uh, that the Titans could still make, and they'll be making some. They just have to be. And speaking of moves, we've moved on to a new sponsor, and that is Bluegrass Beverages, which is a liquor store here in Hendersonville, Tennessee, just about seven minutes away from me. Um, it's been family-owned and operated since the 70s, Mike. This thing has been around in Hendersonville since the 70s. Uh, it has a sister location called Sinkers down in Nashville. Uh, in fact, this place is so cool that I know they're such good sponsors and they're such big fans of the show that I know that they are preparing some big events and big, uh, obviously the NFL draft party, which we announced on uh, NFL, uh, a football show, but there's some other stuff down the pipe that is pretty exciting. Can't let it out yet, but here's the thing. There's two things you need to do. Three things. You need to listen to a football show. Be a dedicated listener to take part in these events. You need to listen to football and other efforts. Be a dedicated listener to take part in these events. And you need to join their loyalty program. So if you're in Nashville, the Hendersonville, Goodlandsville, Madison area, Gallatin, join the InCrab, which provides the following perks. Monthly annual allocation access opportunities with early access to store barrel picks. So that's like, I know Christopher Martell, don't know if he still listens to the show. I know he's a very busy person, but he's all about collecting collecting whiskey and bourbon and rare finds. Dibs on tickets to VIP wine and bourbon tasting events. Tours at local breweries and distilleries. Early access to special or limited releases. And, of course, some swag and special discounts. So you got to head over to Bluegrass in the Hendersonville. They're the ones that sponsor us. And uh, I'm pretty excited. I, I go there regularly, and luckily I'm not like at a celebrity status yet where I'm recognized out in public. So I, yeah. I don't get bothered by the paparazzi when I go. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, not yet. Oh, but yeah, I mean, it's important, it's important to have a good liquor supplier, uh, yes. especially uh, these days. And what's nice about it is that it's big and roomy. Like some liquor stores you can get into, and like I – feel like i'm in a bull in a china shop in fact at the Publix the other day i wasn't paying attention my cart started drifting knocked a white wine bottle off of the shelf uh, luckily i needed white wine and it was a cheap bottle of white wine and it didn't break so i just went ahead and bought that uh but you know just you know shit happens so that's nice to have a nice open area when you go liquor shopping and be able to like you know just browse on your own that is something that I actually, it drives me crazy when I go into a store and I feel like I, I'm like trapped uh, yeah. in an aisle or like I got to shimmy past people, to, you know, to get by them. It, that drives me absolutely insane. As someone who doesn't like people in their personal space, uh, you know, at least not strangers. Uh, yeah. A small it, it, crowded store is, is a It's problem. really hard to get in your personal space, by the way, because you are a tall person. So like, I feel like personal space is like, like face to upper torso. Yeah, but I, I don't like people being around my feet. Like, uh, like yeah. I don't, I don't like feeling like if I step, I'm gonna step on somebody's foot, or you know, I, I just, gotcha. I'm self conscious about that stuff. It drives me All crazy. Right. All right, it is NFL draft season, smokescreen season. 
the F word for today is I'm fucking exhausted. Uh, I don't think I've ever been as tired of an off season already this early as I have been now. Uh, there's rumors galore. There's uh, comments being made about these prospects and and this and that. You got uh, coaches going out to different and GMs going to different pro days, all this stuff. But right before we came on this show, we got tagged in a tweet, and you have not read this tweet. Now you promised me you wouldn't read it, so I don't know if I'm you not. you you backed up on my promise. I've not read it. Okay, and it's a godsend of a tweet. Because it is it is the it fit perfectly with what we are already going to talk about, and it's it's an exciting tweet, Mike. I got an exciting tweet. Okay. This is from Larry Kruger at Sports Larry K on Twitter. Okay. He's a proud husband and father of four. Okay. Uh, I guess he went to Sacramento State. Host of the Pig Pickle Krug Show on YouTube and Spotify host at 957 the game which is a California uh radio station ex CFL and NFL scout so old Krugs he's a pretty okay. reli- pretty you know he's not like uh the 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 NFL draft rumors and whatever yeah he's a real person he's a real person so the Krugs as as we we that know him call him uh, he sent out this tweet Whew. Gives me shivers because it's such a <laughs> based on what I've heard from Shanahan, Lynch, and York, I expect Trey Lance will be traded during the NFL draft 2023. My okay. guess is he'll be dealt to the Titans for Malik Willis and a pick swap that gives the 49ers a day one or two pick as well. So obviously a day two pick, I hope. You would hope. With yeah. that pick, they'll fill a major Roster need with one of these options, and then he lists the options. So, ooh, I want to believe this so bad. I really uh, have it. I mean, if they could get Trey Lance for a pick swap and Malik Willis, I mean, where do I sign? Uh, that that <laughs> yeah. would be fantastic. Um, especially if it's like I'm assuming we're talking like what the 49ers' highest pick is what a third. Yeah, the first their first I think their first pick comes with the compensatory picks. And remember they have like nine or seven, like uh, seven yeah. or nine compensatory picks, but I think their they first like pick is number ninety-nine, like right? Yeah. Isn't their first pick ninety-nine? So maybe so a pick swap of moving back from forty one to ninety-nine plus Malik Willis. I'd yeah, I'd still do that for Trey Lance for sure. Yeah, I mean that would be pretty phenomenal <laughs> to get to get rid of Malik Willis, right? Because they have Sam Darnold. They yeah. have Brock Purdy. And so it sounds like Purdy's the guy, too. Like, okay. right, that, that was the comment that they made last week. It sounded very much like this is Purdy's job. Yeah. Um, which, is, at that point, if they've decided that that's true, then what are they, I mean, what are they doing with Lance? Uh, you know, you don't just sit on him. He's making pretty decent money. Um, so. Yeah, the first pick is number 99. So they got 99, 101, 102 all in the third round. They have no fourth round picks, by the way. And um, then it goes into round five, it looks like, according to profootballnetwork.com. Um, that would be so. How much do you believe this? Because it, it, it lines up, right? We've heard connections with Trey Lance. Obviously, Rand Carthon is here. Obviously, the Titans are looking for the quarterback of the future. Rand Carthon, while Adam Peters was the main guy to of the two assistant GM level, whatever they were over in San Francisco, while he was the main guy that 
bang the table for Trey Lance. Um, it essentially would, and we know that they kind of don't believe in Malik, but they kind of are like saying they do. And Malik's not their guy. Ryan Tannehill's kind of not their guy. They're not very committed. But if you're talking about this particular situation with what the, the 49ers, they flat out said Purdy's the starter. Purdy earned his yeah. spot. And yeah. so then you, you're you're taking Trey Lance and he's competing with Sam Darnold. And is that really fair to Trey Lance? Aren't you, you don't owe a player, but isn't it in the best interest to get them into a better situation now that you've given up on them? And so if you've given up on Malik, you gave up on Trey Lance, swap them and let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I'd totally be down for that. And I wonder, I mean, obviously the Titans are doing a ton of homework on the draft quarterbacks, right? They've been to all of the pro days for Stroud, Young, Levis, and Richardson uh, at this point. Um, They've had meetings, I think. Didn't they reportedly have a meeting with Richardson? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they've, they've been reported to have high interest in Stroud. So, I think there's a lot of smoke around the Titans and quarterbacks. I think they are actively trying to find a quarterback. Um, and that doesn't they, necessarily mean that they're going to move on from Tannehill right now, but I, I think they're trying to find the next quarterback, even if that means Tannehill's on the roster and so is this other guy and, and may the best man win. Because, um, I mean, know, really, if Trey Lance is looking good and you, you obviously can't rely on Trey Lance. So if you get in Trey Lance and Ryan Tannehill – and you trade away Ryan Tannehill, you better be signed like Teddy Bridgewater and and another quarterback. You better be keeping three quarterbacks on the roster. But right. it is it is crazy, right? Like that is a and that's a clicking on the profile. That seems to be a guy in the know. Um, of course, this came up. We I know, or you and I both know a few guys that are in the San Francisco uh, media group. So I don't know how much you know really right now you could trust this but it makes sense on a bunch of different levels yeah it definitely does and it would allow you especially i mean if you end up trading 41 the the pick swap being like 41 for 99 and uh or 41 and malik willis for 99 and lance uh then you still have pick 11 which you could go get jackson smith and jigba or paris johnson jr you know whoever you're choice is at 11 and you fill your quarterback spot with a young talented player who has you know a lot of upside and and i don't know like i'm not sure where i would necessarily stack lance versus this this upcoming quarterback class i'd probably have him third i guess um behind yeah, that would make sense. And young but, but ahead of richardson and uh uh levi's um levi's but uh i think it's uh yeah, I, I think I would make that move because you, you get the best of both worlds. You don't have to trade up and you, you still know, get give up six a players first. You, you get yeah, you get your draft picks and you get to add some talent around him. So I yeah, and and look, I don't I don't know how much I buy Kruger, but it makes sense for them to move Lance if they've decided that Purdy's the guy. It makes sense for them to try to move Lance because he's not going to get more valuable by sitting on the bench, right? Like that's. Not how any of this works. And you get the uh, fifth round uh, option for Trey Lance uh, that you enact after this season. So if he's the guy, you could just use the fifth year option on him. Yeah, and you you lock him up for 2024. Yeah. Well, you'd already have him under contract for 2024. For 25. You get 2020, 
3.5 as well. So, and, and you get that relatively cheap. So you get some cost control with him too. So, um, yeah, I, I'm in, I'm in. I'm in. Oh my gosh. I want to believe this so bad. <laughs> like, like if this happens, it will be, it will be so, so nice because then Malik is also off the team. <laughs> like and and just... I get to take a victory lap for uh, me posting that uh, Trey Lance fingers crossed tweet. Yeah, there you go. You, you can say that this is this is what he meant all along. The clear, it was, it was clear link. Clear link. The whole time. Okay. All right. Did we talk last week about Will Levis meeting with them? I don't think we did. Did we? I think I they came think out. So. Okay. So do you believe that beyond due diligence that this team is truly interested in a quarterback like Will Levis? I don't know. I mean, look, Levis, I'm not the biggest Levis fan. I think everyone knows that. Um, I, he has some qualities that you like as a quarterback. I, but to me, his, I think he's got to be someone that you at least check out, right? Like you at least should do your homework. You should get to know him, should figure out like, you know, work. Cause I think there's some legitimacy to the fact that, they were horribly coached on offense last year and they, he didn't have a good supporting cast and things like that. There's probably some truth to some of that. Um, but I just, I I can't imagine him being anywhere higher than fourth on their quarterbacks list. I, I just, I just can't, but I, I think it's just a due diligence thing. I don't, I don't think that this is a guy that they're like pounding the table for or anything like that. And look, I don't think we know anything at this point. The The closest thing we have uh, to knowing uh, anything on a quarterback is Teron Davenport reporting that they are very interested in CJ Stroud and, and that he believed that he was the top quarterback uh, on, on, you know, in that group. So that's the one thing that I actually buy right now from a Titans interest in quarterback standpoint. Yeah, to me, I think it's all about generate. I I feel that Tennessee Titans think that Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, one of those guys is going to be available at 11, and someone's going to be enticed to trade up with the Tennessee Titans. That's kind of what I think. And I think that Will Levis is the likely one to be there. Now, we're going to put this on pause because Jim White just announced that um, – Oh boy, we got two big pieces of news. Yeah, here. I saw one of one of them's one of my guys. I well, know. Both of them are both of our guys. guys. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Corey Levin signed a one year deal, which is some insurance if Aaron if they decide to rescind the Aaron Brewer D good. We know who Trevon Wesco is. Um oh, yeah. so signed to tie or signed Corey Levin. So if they decide to move away from Aaron Brewer and rescind his tag, because he hasn't signed his tag like an idiot yet. Uh, I mean, I don't know why he's not going to secure $4 million. But um, if they rescind his tag, they have center insurance with Corey Levin. Or if they draft a center in the draft. Travon Wesco. So this is massive. Oh, and, and people are like, well, this is like, what, week four free agency? But here's why Travon Wesco is massive, in my opinion. Is that... Goodbye, Jeff Swain. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that is exactly. A, that is that is he is dead. <laughs> like Jeff Swain is no longer in the cards for the Tennessee Titans. And even if he's brought back, that all that means right there, if even if he's brought back, is that 
he ain't going to make the roster. It's just like a warm camp body at this point, but it is, it is over. So explain to people, because you've been a, a Trevon Wesco guy since he was coming out of college. So yeah. give some people some background real quick. So Wesco is, I mean, look, you're going to look at his stats, I know, and you're going to be very not excited um, if you're one of these people that just wants tight ends to catch a billion passes. Because, listen, he has eight career receptions for 113 yards in four seasons. He is not a pass catcher. He is effectively a sixth offensive lineman and that's fine he's at least good at it he is the jeff swaim role except competent at being jeff swaim uh they were playing the role that jeff swaim was meant to play last year so he's 6'3 267 pounds the big burly guy he is a blocker he's 27 years old so he's coming off of his uh rookie contract um look Guy, uh, out of all, um, out of all of the tight ends in the NFL that that reached like a twenty percent qualifying uh, snap rate last year among PFF uh, statistics, Wesco was sixth as a run blocker and eighth as a pass blocker. So very, very, very good blocker. That is what you're getting. This is a role. And I've been harping on this for the whole offseason. This is a role that the Titans have to have because Chig is not like a, he's not, he's great. I love Chig. I'm super excited about Chig. He's no, he's never going to be 6'6 six, six and 260 pounds and able to, to do all the blocking tasks that the Titans offense requires of him, especially for a team that wants to be able to run the football. They've and I can guarantee hard. you that if Trevon Wesco catches a pass, he can run it faster than Jeff Sway. Probably, probably. I mean, but, <laughs> Look, he's maybe going to catch five or six balls next year. Like if if it's a good year for him, does not fucking matter. He is going to be a plus in the run game. He is going to allow you to let Chig be the pass catcher and to not have to be worried about doing all the dirty work and playing all the inline stuff. When the Titans were at their very best at the tight end position, and I've said this many, many times, but it's worth saying again, they had Delaney Walker, who was doing all the pass catching and getting all the stats and making all the, the big plays. And then they had Anthony Fasano and Craig Stevens, who were fucking tackles, glorified tackles in 80 numbers. And they were awesome. They were awesome at what they did. They could run block the shit out of the, I love to meet some Craig Stevens back in the day. Both of them. Yeah, both of them and Fasano. I mean, just awesome at what they did. And that was a big part of the reason why Chris Johnson was going off for crazy numbers. Because, yes, they had a good offensive line back then. They also had great blocking tight ends. And that is important shit. If you're going to be a run first football team and look, you can debate to the end of the world, whether they should continue to be as run first as they have been. And I'm hoping that we see that slide back a little bit, but you do need to be able to run the ball as, as Rand Carthon has said many times now, and Wesco will help you do it because he will be able to line up in your 12 personnel sets and smash an outside linebacker, smash a defensive end and get you to the edge with Derrick Henry. And that is what he is here to do. Um, and look, he is going to make a difference for them. I, I guarantee it because he does what Jeff Swain was supposed to do, but he does it at a good level. And I'm super excited about this signing. I don't give a shit how many passes he catches. I love it. I, I mean, because out of when you're looking at all the guys that have been getting signed, Michael Pruitt is pro and Michael Pruitt and Trevon Wesker are the best blockers out there left. 
Mercedes Lewis is out there, but he's relatively old, and it'd be nice oh, to have a guy. He's yeah. objectively old. He's, he's objectively old. <laughs> but, I mean, Trevon Wesco, you're talking about, okay, he's a good run blocker, but to me, his pass blocking is what stands out, and I'm thinking, okay, they got Andre Dillard over on the left side, technically right now. And last year, all the blocking and all the blocking help was over on Dennis Daly's side. So now Andre Dillard could be on an island. You put him over next to NPF, and suddenly that right side of the line, this that it helps the entirety of the offense in the offensive line. Like this is a this is a great thing for the Tennessee Titans because they can now put him where he needs to be, and that was on the right side. Leaving NPF on an island as a rookie wasn't the best of ideas, but they had to because Dennis Daly was so much worse. And guess what? It really didn't help Dennis Daly. He was he still sucked. But this helps NPF's growth in year two. I I love it from I just love it. I just I'm so happy. Um okay so let's shift back to the draft. Okay. <laughs> and it's really hard to but we're gonna shift back to the draft. Now with Trevon Wesco here the Titans haven't really shown a lot of interest outside of Tucker Craft in tight ends. So we're going to kind of tie this into that. And Tucker Craft is kind of a guy that is your tweener, your jack of all trades. He can block, he can catch passes. And I, I've always thought that the Tennessee Titans do best when they have three guys. They have a blocker, a jack of all trades, and then they have the pass catching threat. You would like for Chig to be turned into the jack of all trades. But I'm assuming the Trevon Wesco deal is a one-year deal. So if you get a guy like a Tucker Craft, a guy like a Luke Shoemaker, what have you, you're set up for the future. So where do you fall on this affecting the draft strategy for the Tennessee Titans tied into if they were to trade out of 41 because they traded it for Trey Lance? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that it... Uh really affects their tight end strategy because like you said, I, I still think there's a need for a draft pick. And this is a great tight end class to get a guy out of. Like, look, could they could they start uh the 2023 season with Chig and Wesco and Kevin Rader and be okay at tight end? Yeah. That that would be okay. Um but like you said, I think Wesco's gonna be a one year deal. Um and it's still a long-term need to find uh, that, you know, running mate for Chig that can line up and do some of that stuff. And look, I, I just, I don't think they're going to go get like a, um, what's the uh, Dalton Kincaid or, uh, or Luke Musgrave. I, I don't think that's going to be the type that they target. I think it's going to be more of the Darnell Washington's, the uh, uh, Schoonmakers, the uh, uh, your guy Payne Durham. Um, yeah, baby. I think it's going to be one of those guys who can block and, or, you know, maybe, maybe even Sam Laporta uh, from Iowa who has, you know, by the way, I, I'm a big Sam Laporta guy now. There's a lot of tight ends I really love in this draft class, by the way. I, do, I, mean, like, and, and I like Kraft too, honestly. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of guys that I think would be uh, helpful for them that they could grab in the middle rounds. Like I think Darnell Washington to me is a guy that, you know, if you could get him at 41, like incredible fit like some of the blocking uh sets that they could have with wesco and in washington on the field at the same time would be uh, possibly orgasmic um but it is uh it, it's not necessarily a requirement now i think that you go get darnell washington it's more of a you know can you get somebody with some upside at some point 
on day two or day three uh, that that can complement these guys and maybe give you a little bit bigger body um, player in the passing game while also being able to block. So I, I think they're in a great spot at tight end now uh, going into this draft where I still want them to take a guy, but but we'll see. It's not a huge need anymore. Okay, so the Tennessee Titans are also showing interest in a particular wide receiver, and they're they're showing interest in a few, but I think this one is a guy that is probably the most most polarizing in 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 a lackluster class, I guess you could say. But um, we're going to talk about two. So first off, we're going to talk about Quentin Johnston. And uh, Sean Calderon said that John, uh, Jane Slater recently said on NFL Network that the Titans had breakfast with TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnston before his pro day and that Tennessee is interested in him. They showed a lot of interest, according to Tony Pauline, during the pro day. And I they showed interest. I believe he was a combine formal interview as well. So they're showing the interest at different levels. Now, I think you and I both agree that it's really hard for us to wrap our head around a big, tall, heavy wide receiver as he is. He's one of the taller ones in the class. He's one of the better built ones in the class that has a horrible contested catch rate, horrible three cone time. And he just doesn't have any real true speed. But. I think we both agree a second-round pick makes sense for him, and I never really saw the first-round wide receiver one caliber this whole offseason anyway. But if he's there in the second round and you haven't traded out or done anything with it and you're at pick 41 and you pass on a wide receiver in the first because you're getting an offensive lineman, pretty comfortable with that, right? Yeah, and I, I would be comfortable in the with him in the second round. There's there's receivers that I like more though, to be honest. That'll probably mm-hmm. be there, including Cedric Tillman, who I think is a similar player, um, but I think is a better player, frankly. Um, so I'm not a big Quentin Johnston guy, especially not at the first round level. Like he's a really good athlete. We know that. Um, you know he doesn't have the necessarily like track speed necessarily, um, but he was a very good vertical threat for TC him uh, vertical routes and things like that. So I, I think he does bring some of that element. And it's kind of like, I mean, kind of like Traylon Burks, but the problem is Traylon Burks is just a much better player in that he's, you know, he's bigger, he's better with contested catches. He has better hands. He's more of a hands catcher than a body catcher, which I have concerns with, with Johnston. Um, but to me, Johnston is just kind of a big linear guy who's not particularly good at contested catches. And I just, I'm not super interested in that. At 41, maybe. I mean, they, they've always shown a, a preference for bigger receivers uh, during the Mike Vrabel era. Now, we'll find out whether that was a John Robinson thing or a Mike Vrabel thing or a Tannehill even thing. Um, but, yeah, Johnston to me is a day two guy. And yeah. he'd be in the mix with, like, Tillman and Mims and those kind of guys for me. Well, a guy that we know that they have shown a lot of love for and – He's shown a lot of love back, and he is a great interview. He fits what they want. He's got the speed. He's got the physicality. He's got some stats. He's a little small in stature, but he could play outside. He played outside in, against some really great competition in practices and some pretty good competition in uh, in the regular season against the opponents. And that is Tyler Scott. And I think we've both been 
you've been a little bit more vocal about your love for Tyler Scott, but I have loved Tyler Scott for a while. I'm just been kind of like, I liked what I saw, and then I got a little lukewarm. I think after watching Trey Tucker, and I think yeah. that let that I think that let me affect the Tyler Scott uh, hype train a little bit. Yeah, but I look at Tyler Scott, and all I can think of is Tyler Lockett. Now he doesn't have the college stats that Tyler Lockett had, but they are the same size. I mean, like down to the seventh eighths of an inch or whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, it is insane. And but he's a more athletic version of Tyler Lockett. And Tyler Lockett has been a guy that I've always loved in the NFL, who I always thinks I always think that he's so severely underrated. He has done everything you can want a wide receiver do with the Seattle Seahawks, and he's done it at a size that typically wears a little thin in the NFL. So all this love, all this stuff, and he's a great interview. Do you, I still think he's going to be in the third round. Do you think that maybe this is the guy that's going to be, that's going to be like, whoa, I can't believe he went that high. Like I'm a little shocked that he went that high. It wouldn't surprise me if he went higher than, than everyone thinks right now, just because speed usually gets overdrafted. Um, and it's hard to say overdrafted, you know, speed usually gets drafted higher than what most people think, I guess. And I, I think Tyler Scott definitely has speed. It, look, his his combine 40 time wasn't that great. I, what was he? He was like 4-4 four, four yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah, 4-4-4. Four, four, four. Yeah. Okay. And and then he ran at the pro day and got down to like the low four threes, which, you know, pro day, fast tracks, whatever you want to say. Um, but <laughs> – Look, he is a track guy. Like this is this is his verified like high school times are you know really good. That he's he's only been playing wide receiver I think for maybe two or three years at tops. Um, because he's so, a converted running back. Yeah, so he is uh, he is a guy that's interesting to me because I mean his production really ramped up each year that he was at Cincinnati, and you know the speed is obviously there. He seems like a smart guy from from. You know, everything you read about him, everything you've seen, like video wise, interview wise. Um, so I, I'm very into Tyler Scott. I, I think he brings that field stretching ability that the Titans desperately need. Um, and uh, yeah, I would love to grab him at what? what's that pick number 73 or whatever, uh, somewhere around there in the third round. Um, but that would be the ideal range, although it wouldn't surprise me if he was gone before that pick. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I kind of feel like that is almost that that pick in the 80s is almost a sweet spot for Tyler Scott. And I think that with the wide receivers kind of like falling out of favor in the first round, I don't feel like there's a lot of first-round wide receivers. This could be like one of the least top-heavy first-round grade wide receivers in the, in the NFL. And I feel like if they get down to the third round, and these all these guys start falling, you're going to see that trickle down to where Tyler Scott ends up. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like it's like a it's like a math game, a numbers game where I kind of feel where that's at. By I love the interest that you're showing in Tyler Scott, and I love the interest that they're showing in athletic linemen. Obviously, this does not include Osiris Torrance, which they're putting a lot of uh, effort into Osiris Torrance as well. Um, if you don't ask him to move, he's great. Uh, it's, that's pretty much what the college tape says, but I almost think that all this people forget that a lot of meetings that aren't top 30 meetings or this or that, a lot of these meetings can be about other players on a team. 
Yes. And the Titans have shown a lot of interest in Anthony Richardson. So what do you believe? Do you think they're really showing interest? Like, do they have real defined interest on Osiris Torrance? Or is it like, okay, we're going to talk about you, but we're really going to talk about Anthony Richardson? I mean, I definitely think it can be both. I mean, to I mean, Torrance definitely fits the position that they need. I, I don't know that he fits the mold because, I mean, I, Andre Dillard coming out and basically saying that, look, they told me they were trying to get athletic linemen who can play in space. That is not Osiris Torrance no. uh, at all. So I, I think, to me, that just doesn't jive with what they verbally said they're looking for. Now, Torrance, you know, did a really good job as a pass protector last year. So I, I think there's – you know, they've also, they have, you know, also signed guys that have been better pass protectors. So maybe that's something they're prioritizing and he would kind of fit if you're considering that side of it. But um, to me, overall, he doesn't fit really the offense. Um, so yeah, it definitely could be, hey, we want to get more info on, on Anthony Richardson and we want to get a good, you know, conversation with Torrance and, you know, in a setting where he's going to want to be pretty open and, and talk to them and everything like that. Cause he wants to make a good impression on them as a draft prospect, but you know, they certainly could have ulterior motives here um, from a, a, you know, information gathering standpoint. And that's, that's really all this stuff is too. And, and, you know, that's one thing that I think we should always keep in mind as far as, uh, you know, top 30 visits and things like that go, because I, you know, there's a lot of reasons that they'll bring guys in. Sometimes it's they have a red flag in their profile and they want to talk to them more about it, or they had a medical thing that they wanted to recheck from the combine or, or something like that. Cause I remember it didn't uh, Jalen Weidermeyer had a, a top 30 visit with the Titans, right? And everyone freaked right. out because, you know, many of us, myself included did not want the Titans to take him. Well, he went undrafted and and they didn't even sign him as an undrafted free agent. So it's not like that showed a, that they were super interested in Jalen Weidermeyer. It was, you know, either information gathering or, or, you know, something of that line, or maybe, maybe the medical recheck or whatever they brought him in for didn't look very good and it turned him off to him. But it's one of those things where I think sometimes we try to parse the top 30 visits too much to the point mm -hmm. that like, that doesn't necessarily mean that's a, a shopping list for Rand Carthon. It's it, they could bring guys in for all kinds of reasons. Well, sticking with the offensive linemen and the athletic ones, because when you list these offensive linemen, I'm about to list uh, for, to you. One of these things is not like the other, right? Like yeah. it's Osiris Torrance, Darnell Wright, uh, uh, the Reed kid from Louisville. Who's for, is it Tristan Reed? Is that his name? I think that's right. Okay. So. But he's super athletic. Um, then you have Braden Daniels, Mark Evans, the second Jalen Duncan, uh, those guys all fit except for Osiris Torn. So that's kind of where I'm like, something here just doesn't, maybe it's just like Rand doing a Florida guy, a favor or something, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't fit, but these other guys all fit. Um, obviously I kind of feel like Jalen Duncan. I don't know how you feel about Jalen Duncan, but I kind of feel like he's a guy that could shift a guard. Yeah. And maybe work his way in the left tackle competition next year. But I think like starting out at guard, but like him, Mark Evans, and Brain Daniels, instant starters day one at the left guard spot. Do you agree with those with that assessment? I would say so, most likely, yeah. Um, 
because I, I, you know, the competition's not going to be that fierce at left guard. It doesn't <laughs> seem. Uh, you, you don't think Jamarco Jones is going to be able to scrap with these youngins? I mean, unless they've got like a surprise Dalton Reisner signing or something like that in their back pocket. But yeah, I definitely think that we could see them. And there's all sorts of guys that they could go to in the draft that I think would be, <laughs> you know, realistic competition for yeah. Jamarco Jones. Um, but yeah, look, and I think if you're going to start a rookie, you know, on the offensive line, you want it to be at one of the interior guard spots because, you know, center is tough because usually they're involved in calling the protections and, and coordinating with the quarterback on that stuff and everything and being kind of the captain of the offensive line. And then you, you know, tackle is tough because it's just a really hard position to play at the NFL level because those edge rushers are absolute freaks. But if you, if you can get by with one, it's usually a guard, uh, you know, playing as a rookie. And I don't mind them kind of, thinking, well, we'll just grab one of these guys and stick them at left guard uh, at some point in the draft here. All right. Darnell Wright. Oh, I forgot Steve Avila, by the way, who would be who would be a great one. Have they done extensive yeah. pre-depth work on him? Okay. Yeah, I do, I do kind of like Avila. Yeah. Uh, Darnell Although, Wright. Not a great athlete either. Eh, he's all right. I mean, he's yeah. better than Osiris Torrens. Yeah, I would say that's true. Uh, okay. Co combine formal interview for Darnell Wright. We know that, that he's going to be visiting with them as well. I mean, obviously a local visit. Um, he was at the senior bowl where they met with everybody. I, and then yesterday, of course, he's getting pointers from Mike Vrabel on how to run a drill. Everybody's, everybody's going crazy with that. So I had this discussion with Braden on a football show on Thursday, and I just wonder because someone actually had Darnell Wright being drafted by Tennessee at number 11 uh, mm -hmm. in a mock draft recently. You draft Darnell Wright, because I have read a lot of people think that, okay, Darnell Wright, he could be a right tackle, but he may start out at guard. It may be good to draft him, start him out, if you already have a right tackle, like on a one-year deal or something, you know, and then shift him out to right tackle. If you get Darnell Wright, it's all about starting the best five out of the the people they have in the building right now and Darnell Wright make your top five, make your starting five offensive line. I'd probably, I, I'd probably start Darnell Wright at right tackle and move okay. MPF over to left guard uh, would be my guess. I'd probably go Dillard MPF um, Brewer probably over Levin and then um, Brunskill and Wright. Which I, I think is viable. I mean, I think it's yeah. definitely viable. Although, um, you know, like I just said, you, you don't necessarily want to start a rookie tackle, but I, Wright, to me, is a really good prospect. Yeah, I, I like Wright. I just wonder where he fits on the offensive line, like, this year. Because is, is, is it the best move to put NPF in a position that he's not really used to next to Andre Dillard, who's a new addition, next to Brewer? Or is it better to put Darnell Wright there as a rookie who is a little bit better, who is way better than NPF? Let's just be honest, even as a rookie. And then you got Diller, your left side is just, you're stacked at this year. I, I just, I just don't yeah. know. I'm okay with Darnell Wright, maybe at 11, but I think I'd prefer like a trade back to get Darnell Wright, but you may not have that chance. I don't know. I wouldn't hate him as a guard either, to be honest. Um, I, I do think, um, I do think he's going to go pretty early because his, his tape against some of the top pass rushers was just phenomenal yeah. um, this past year. And and I do think he's going to end up being a first round pick 
um, by somebody. And, and I mean, I, I think I mentioned this in the, the chat the other day that Broderick Jones, you know, you kind of, he'd always kind of been penciled in as like, it was like Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, Jr. Broderick Jones is like the top three. And now I think it's kind of flipped that Darnell Wright's really up there in that group. And then it's, Broderick Jones maybe a little bit further down. Like it's almost like Broderick Jones, Anton Harrison, um, in that kind of group is the next tier down. But I, I yeah, when, I wonder if maybe there's a chance one of those guys slips to 41. Um, I don't think it's terribly likely, but I wonder if I wonder how close they might get. Yeah. Okay. So this brings me to Peter Skaronsky. And there has been nothing on the radar about Peter Skaronsky from anything. No pre-draft interviews, no extensive interest, no combine formals, no combine informals, no top 30 visits, nothing. Big deal, small deal, no deal. Mm, small, small deal, the fact that they've been basically totally non-existent on him. Um, Cause yeah, I, I do wonder if maybe he just does not meet their threshold with the arm length thing. Cause that is a lot of teams, you know, right or wrong, they they will draw hard lines and say we are not taking anybody that has arm shorter than this at this position, or anybody that has a forty, or you know, whatever whatever drill it may be that they feel like is important uh, to that position. Um, just rule them out. So I, I don't know what Carthon's feelings on arm length are i would love to know uh, maybe that's a question that that somebody can ask at some point uh when he gets in front of the media again but um yeah skaronsky not not having any contact at all is a little odd um either they're really trying to you know hide their interest in him or they just aren't interested one of the two okay uh last two things i want to hit on of, uh, as far as the draft rumors go a lot of love and interaction with Hendon Hooker. Now, I kind of shrugged off the senior bull stuff, but you know, they were the first team to talk to Hendon Hooker. They talked extensively. They talked extensively all week. Um, and then you have Hendon Hooker, you know, talking to them at the combine. And then you have Hendon Hooker uh talking getting a, a visit then you have Hinton Hooker talking to Pat O'Hara on the side I mean like all this stuff I am very hesitant on drafting Hinton Hooker and and here's why it's it's strictly for me strictly for me and you can call it uh ageism if you want but the 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 ability for a quarterback to extend his ceiling to a franchise quarterback at his advanced age by the time he takes his first snap <laughs> is is very 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 low he would be the extreme outlier of outliers available in this draft and there's a lot of outliers in this draft has nothing to do with his talent has nothing to do with his leadership has nothing to do with what's behind the ears and for me, really doesn't have anything to do with his injury other than his injury makes him another year older because he's likely not going to play a meaningful snap in 2023. So where do you land on Hinton Hooker at this point? 
I think the first round stuff that I've seen floated out there by a few people, I think uh, um, Matt, uh, what's his name? The ESPN Miller? guy. Matt Miller. Matt Miller had him as, you know, don't be surprised if Hinden Hooker ends up going in round one or whatever. Um, that to me is kind of crazy. Just look. And I, I grew up a Tennessee fan. I still root for Tennessee football when they're not playing Texas. Um, I really liked watching Hendon Hooker the last couple of years. But the fact of the matter is, he didn't break out till he was almost 24 years old. Um, and that is meaningful. Breakout age is something that a lot of people track, especially with wide receivers. Um, but I think it also kind of applies to quarterbacks. Because yes. he was a grown man or grown man playing against mostly like 19 and 20 year olds, right? Like that makes a difference to me that he, it took him that long. And he's still at almost 24 years old was not the starter to start the season. Uh, last year it was, uh, uh, Joe Milton. Um, so to me, that's a little bit of a red flag. And the fact is that the offense that the balls ran and, and have run under Hypel. You, it's impossible to project it to the NFL because it is not an offense that anyone else runs in the NFL. It's very creative. It's, uh, you know, I think it's great for what, you know, it's a great offense. It's Hypo should be praised for what he is doing, but as far as giving him his players snaps and tape that you can look an NFL team can look at and say, okay, this is what, this is a, a concept that we run that we can plug him in and say, okay, I, I know that you can run this or that you understand this. There's hardly any of it. Like, and this is the same thing with Jalen Hyatt. Like the amount of free releases and the amount of times they got him just matched up with a safety that he could just run by. It was incredible. And, and that's great. Again, it's like, if you're a Vols fan, great. You've got a really smart coach who's doing really good things, but it does not necessarily help your draft prospects when they're in this situation and, and, and everyone's looking at it and they know, look, you're getting free access on all your routes and you're not really show, showcasing abilities that you will be required to have at the NFL level because you just cannot run. And, and you know, people will ask, why don't teams just run the Josh Heupel off into the NFL? Part of it, in a big part of it, is the spacing because the where the hashes are, the, the spacing on the field, where guys can line up, all that, but it also has, it comes down to like the athletes on the field. There, there is a lot more space in college because you're at your average college player is a lot slower than your average NFL player. So um, those are kind of the reasons it doesn't work. But to me, hooker, like the age, the ACL, the kind of, you know, non-projectable offense, it, it scares the crap out of me to actually think of, of drafting him highly and, and having anything more than like a hope of, uh, you know, I, I just don't know that his ceiling's that big. He, he's yeah, at it's like, it's like maybe his ceiling is Dak Prescott. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and Dak was a fourth round pick for a reason because his age is, was up there as well. Yeah, and and I mean, I, I do think that's a decent... uh comp for him because he's not a great runner like hooker's an okay runner he's kind of got that like slithery thing going on to him he's not fast he's not that big um you know he's just i don't i don't know that his skill set screams like future superstar like i I, and i think if you're drafting a guy in the first round you should at least have a skill set that is projectable to a superstar level and i don't i don't think hooker has that. i think at best hooker's a average nfl starter which is fine 
but I think that's his absolute ceiling. Okay, if Anthony Richardson's there at 11, draft him or not draft him? At 11, I'll draft him, yeah. Would you trade? Because I am very hesitant about the trade up to number three to draft Anthony Richardson in particularly. Just Anthony Richardson. How do you feel about that? It's a big bet. Look, I mean, I I wouldn't necessarily be mad at him for doing it because, look, Anthony Richardson's ceiling is uh, like stronger, faster Josh Allen or, uh, you know, what was the other one I was thinking of the other day? Or or like, you know, big bulky uh version of Lamar Jackson. Like I I think his his ceiling is enormous. Um and he could be one of the guys like there's truly just very few quarterbacks that like separate teams. Um, you know, I, I think we talked about it in, in the list. I think that we came up with was maybe three of um, Holmes, Burrow, and maybe Josh Allen. I, I think yeah. it's kind of where we, we landed on it. So I think he could be one of those guys. I, I think he honestly has as good a chance as, as anybody. I think him and Stroud probably have the best odds of actually hitting that level um, as, as an NFL quarterback. But I am uh, – I would be scared. I, I would be scared. There's enough red flags with the Richardson as far as the – accuracy concerns that trading future first going all the way up to three and taking him yeah i'd be on the p pant scale i i yeah like i would understand their rationale and logic behind it because then i would have some comfort in knowing that they at least went up and got what they perceived to be one of their guys right like you would think that they would view all three of them almost on the same exact level young stroud and, and richardson but the value you have to give up for the risk involved is is a little scary for me. Speaking of risk, I have one final question for you on the draft stuff before we talk about uh, another topic. If Jalen Carter falls to 11 and you're the Tennessee Titans and nobody will trade up with you, what do you do? Is he your number is he the number one prospect? No, I'm not touching Jalen Carter with You're a not touching Jalen I'm, Carter. I'm, okay. I'm out. I'm out. I, I just, to me, like, after the Isaiah Wilson thing, and maybe this is unfair and, and I'm just pairing them together because they're both Georgia guys, but with the amount of red flags that have popped up on, on uh, a lot of, Carter. A lot of red flags on all Georgia players, I feel like, lately. Well, I, yeah, and I, I heard y'all's conversation on a football show about that. And look, like, yeah, the Georgia thing is uh, it's something to keep an eye on because Georgia defenders have not projected well to the NFL so far, despite them being awesome on defense and having all these five stars and everything like it just has not translated yet, um, which is interesting. It's just something to keep an eye on, as as you guys, I think, uh, spoke too well. But um, yeah, Carter just it, it would scare me too much. I, I I don't think the Titans can't afford to miss uh on a pick like that and look especially if you're going to keep jeffrey simmons i don't know that you need a jalen carter yeah yeah that and that's kind of where i'm at like i really am ex- i would be excited about jalen carter and uh jeffrey simmons next to each other because i mean I it'd would be think, freaky as long as yeah, jalen would, carter wasn't in jail or, right. or you know decided he, he wasn't going to try today and then of course you know you could just let go Taylor or Tier Tart and just have four million dollars rescind that and just have four million dollars uh, come back to you. And then I look on the flip side, and then there's of course Nolan Smith is mentioned in, in, down here, and I, there's red flags about him too. 
red yeah. flags everywhere about Nolan Smith, and not only just his physical size, but his red flags of how he handled himself off camera, off mic, at the combine. Some of the stupid ass shit he said on the mic at the combine. But I've heard that there's a lot of red flags with him. So I don't know. I'm like, I'm kind of at this point now where I know it's helmet scouting, but I'm really deathly afraid of drafting just Georgia players and not necessarily because of Isaiah Wilson. Like, I'm fine with if they drafted George Pickens or if they draft had drafted George Pickens or if they had drafted Kenny McIntosh later on, you know, in the in this draft. Um, I'm fine with that. You know, it's just these defenders have not lived up to the hype that they have been getting. And it's kind of it's kind of crazy. And not to mention, George Pickens was fucking weird, too. Yeah, well, definitely. Definitely. And we're not we're still not sure whether Pickens is going to work out. You know, yeah. I mean, he flashed big time for Pittsburgh, but um, we'll see. We'll see on Pickens because, yeah, he's definitely weird. All right, Mike. I got some big news and I shared it with you a couple of days ago. And. It's it's pretty, I think it's pretty big. And I, I think you tend to agree because we are both uh, nerds, I guess, or very interested in the free agency comings and goings, how it all works and all that kind of stuff. So at stackingtheinbox.com, $4 a month, there's a 26-minute video where I go in-depth. And I'm not going to do that because we're running up against time and I'm determined to get out of here at an hour. So just real quick, I want to talk about the funding rule, and I'm going to put some graphics up on the screen. That way everybody can see it. That's a YouTube listener. So here's what we do know, Mike. Old as a hell rule that protects a player's fully guaranteed money just in case billionaires become broke. This is a 40 to 50-year-old rule back when, and we did, we discussed this before uh, on the show, back when like the NFL may not even make it. It's like when these billionaires were just millionaires. <laughs> like They weren't even billionaires yet. So it's a really old rule, and it really prevents – it really is a crutch for owners to use to say, hey, we're, we don't want to do fully guaranteed contracts, and we can't because of this funding rule. Well, they kind of can because we'll get into it. The fully guaranteed money is, of course, protected by depositing the amount of future money promised that is fully guaranteed into an escrow account. The amount deposited first and foremost cannot exceed 75% of the total value of a contract. So if you're talking about a $200 million contract and only $50 million of that is guaranteed, the 75% is based off of the $200 million. Then a $15 million deductible is taken off of that amount. And the leftover amount is what's deposited in the escrow account. Now what's interesting, Mike, and what has kind of plagued us both because we've seen this all off season long is that there's a weird accounting loophole apparently for when the money deposited into escrow actually happens. Okay. So you've seen it, right? Yeah. This, yeah. this March, 2024 uh, PFF was the latest article that, that I saw had it. And I was like, I got to figure out why. Cause nobody explains why nobody gives any background other than, Hey, this is when it happens. Take my word for it, bro. And so I'm going to use the Deshaun Watson contract as an example because it's the it's the one that Lamar Jackson's basing his information off of, you know, basing that stuff. So just real quick, there's two important dates, the January 31st date, which is the very first date, and the March 31st date, which is the third date you see on there. Now, those are set in 2022, but that is the set days on the calendar 
for the league's contract check or audit deadline on January 31st and the deadline to make sure that all prior years fully guaranteed money make it into the deposit in escrow. So you got it till March 31st to get any money that's not in escrow into escrow. So when Deshaun Watson got traded, that was on March 18th between those two dates, but that's after the January 31st date. And he signed a fully guaranteed deal. What's interesting about this is that no money had to be deposited into escrow at that point in time. So none of the fully guaranteed money had to be deposited because it's after the 2022 deal after January 31st. What that means then is that January 31st in 2023 of this year, league does the contract check, does an audit, notes what needs to be deposited into escrow, and March 31st of 2023, deadline for the Browns to make their first deposit into escrow. Now, first off, Mike, before we go into these next graphics, I want to get your thoughts on that because we were always under the impression we knew about the 75%. We knew about the 15 million, yep. but we were always under the impression that once it's signed, it's got to go in. That was, yeah, that was always my understanding was that well, as soon as it's signed, it's got to be deposited. And yeah, I didn't know if it was a 24 hour rule or whatever, but I definitely assumed it was like around the same time. Yeah. So that brings it. What does all that mean? Like, what does all that look like? That's all fancy numbers. So how all that math works is that, okay, official March 18th, 2022, Deshaun Watson signed 230 million fully guaranteed. Roughly 45 million is paid up front in the total of a signing bonus. And remember, all signing bonuses are fully guaranteed towards a fully guaranteed contract, even if the whole contract's not fully guaranteed. So any contract signing bonus counts. Then the base salary of 403K, we'll just call it, was paid during the course of the 2022 season because of the loophole, not really loophole, but because of his suspension. That's why it's so low. So that means $45.4 million roughly was paid to Deshaun Watson in cash. Well, that comes off your fully guaranteed money. And so that brings your fully guaranteed money down now to roughly $185 million. Well, the 75% threshold that we talked about earlier, where you take 230 times 0.75 or 75%, 230 million, that means that the max that could be deposited is $172.5 million. Well, you take 15 million off of that, and the Browns' first initial escrow deposit was $157 million. That's a still a lot of money. <laughs> okay? Yes. Still a ton of money. But that makes it a little bit more palatable when you're talking about millionaires being able to move assets around and afford different things at different times. So you're moving money around and you're not having to put 230 million into the um into an escrow account. You're actually putting in 157 million and you're actually putting it in a year later. So that in in the scheme of a million a billionaire, the three comma club, that is a it's almost like you're playing a shell game with the money. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it definitely gives you a little bit of time to to bankroll that stuff. But I, I do think it's notable in the fact that from a from a cash standpoint, that is a lot of cash. And yeah. you know, if you look at something like you know, I know a lot of Titans fans want to go get Lamar Jackson right now and re-sign Jeffrey Simmons. Look, 
you know, Lamar Jackson is what reportedly wanting like 200 wanting more fully guaranteed than, than Deshaun he doesn't Watson. want hey, he doesn't want a fully guaranteed contract. He just wants more fully guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson. Just more fully guaranteed money than anyone has ever gotten in NFL history. Um, but not, doesn't have to be fully guaranteed. You can throw in a, an extra year option on there yeah. if you want. Um, nice guy. Uh, no, but it, like that kind of money guaranteed plus Jeffrey Simmons, who's probably going to get what, probably 60 million, maybe more fully guaranteed in, in his deal. You start to talk about like over $300 million worth of escrow deposits and things like that that she'd be looking at next march and look uh not to like count anyone else's money or whatever but amy adam strunk is not uh one of the like mega billionaire owners um she is uh, obviously a billionaire as as are all nfl owners but uh coming up with that kind of cash would be difficult especially when you're talking about starting construction on a new stadium pretty soon um and you know, whether and look, there's some public funding going into that too, but she's also putting in what seven or eight hundred thousand dollars of of you know her own money or the family's money into that deal. So uh I don't know, she just kind of cut a check a of a hundred K, you know, and it, for a good cause, by the way. I mean, like obviously going right. to covenant school, but she did yeah. that without telling anybody. So it's almost like that kind of feels like a little bit like the hundred K and stuff like that is a you know. It's not a hundred million, but it's a hundred K just, you know, I mean, it's kind of weird. I don't, I don't, I don't think, she, look, I, I, I've resisted the narrative that like, they're just strapped for cash and that right. they're limiting what the Titans can spend in free agency and stuff like that. But I will say that this escrow rule, it does, you know, make teams think a little bit about cash flow because, you know, I mean, and, and that's not like, obviously, you know, you look at Lamar, you look at Simmons, those are the big, big ones, but you know, Dillard got some guaranteed money. Key got some guaranteed money. It's all the guaranteed money that, you know, they've committed to over the past, you know, year, basically, um, that they'd have to be rolling into escrow on. 17 million of uh, Harold Landry's fully guaranteed salary that guaranteed this year that fully guarantees it for 2024 goes in there. So, yeah, I I looked up at all that. So let's let's talk about this guaranteed money real quick. We're not getting out of an hour like I thought. Okay, so. I came up with the contract for Big Jeff, a four-year, $95 million contract, $30 million signing bonus, $61 million fully guaranteed. That gives you a first and fully guaranteed money among defensive tackles, tied for first and signing bonus amount, and second in AAV only to Aaron Donald, who got it like a three-year contract. You add in a void year to make the signing bonus $6 million prorated throughout the year. Okay. So what does that mean for the escrow money? Right, because that's what we're talking about is what that means for the escrow money. So that if you go through the same thing that I just went through with Deshaun Watson, sixty-one million fully guaranteed when signed, a thirty million dollar signing bonus paid up front, two million base salary paid up front. That means you spent thirty-two million dollars in yearly cash on Jeff Simmons in twenty twenty-three. That comes off the sixty-one million, which leaves you with twenty-nine million. Um, hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, looking at the two wrong numbers. Yeah, See, that leaves you twenty nine million fully guaranteed, and that's initial fully guaranteed minus yearly cash. So the sixty one minus the thirty two, that's already under the seventy five percent threshold. Take fifteen million off that, and boom, your first escrow deposit in twenty twenty four is just for fourteen million dollars. 
Now you spent 32 million here in 2023, but you're only having to put in the escrow in 14 million based on the information that we got. Now, I had uh, in this video at stackingtheinbox.com only $4 a month. I still used my 180 million fully guaranteed for Lamar Jackson and upwards of uh, 200 million fully guaranteed. Obviously, he's not wanting that right now, but that's probably a more realistic number that Lamar Jackson needs to be coming to terms with. He gets him paid a lot of money. If you did the 180 million fully guaranteed, you only have to deposit 85 million in the escrow account in 20, um, because I did a 70 million signing bonus, a big signing bonus, 85 million in 2024. When you take those two numbers, 85 and 14 million, and 24.25 million with the current players that that are owed their fully guaranteed money next year, you are depositing $123.25 million into escrow. Only 45% of the fully guaranteed you promised in 2023, hypothetically, in some of these situations, is deposited in 2024. So that's a large 45%. And I think that's why you're not seeing a big you know, everybody coming to get Lamar Jackson is not only just because of his unreasonable expectations, also because that is a large amount of money to deposit, especially with some of the big free agent spending of the last few years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it, look, it's a rule that the, the NFL Players Association, if they were any good at their jobs, would have gotten rid of years ago. Hey, did you see what Taylor Lewan said about the I NFL? Did. Oh, I was one like, of the oh, best things, one of the I best wish things I was on that said. bus to talk to him about it because I would have uh, been like, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, we should we should try to have, have him on the show to just vent about it because, I mean, <laughs> shit, that is uh, that has been a constant like whipping boy of ours, um, you know, and so it's, uh, you know, obviously the Lawan is in total agreement with us in the fact that the NFLPA sucks. They're bad yeah. at their jobs. They do a poor job for the players. And this rule all it is in place to do is give the owners like an out um, for why they can't give you a lot of guaranteed money. You know, it, it just gives them an excuse. Um, and the owners probably, I mean, I guess they, they must like it because they've kept it in there, but mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's the only function that it serves because it's not, uh, it, we are no longer in the era of like checks bouncing for players, salaries and stuff like that. I mean, that, that would never happen in the you know current iteration of the NFL. Although yeah. I guess Daniel Snyder's still in the league, so never say never. Yeah, never say never. But I will say this: um, I I do think while it's there is a realistic path to get Lamar Jackson, Mike. I think I would rather go with Trey Lance. Am I crazy? Uh, at the price tag, I mean, I think he. he I, I I mean. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of torn on that one to be honest because like I, I was a fan of Lance's coming out. The injury stuff worries me a little bit. Although I mean, what he had a broken leg, right? I mean, I don't know that it's that's like a projectable injury. Um, as far as uh, he's gonna break his leg all the time now. Um, it's uh, so it's kind of a. I don't know. I, I'm I'm torn on it to be honest with you because the price tag is way less for Lance as you would expect it to be, um, both cap wise and picks wise. But Lamar's far more the proven commodity, um, so you're paying. You're kind of getting what you pay for to some degree. So I I don't know. My first my first choice is still to somehow hope that 
you know, the Panthers and Texans mess up and CJ Stroud is there at three and they can go get CJ Stroud. I've that's heard, that's I've, my my dream. I've heard tales about CJ Stroud's uh, S2 uh, measurements, Mike. I know, I know, which would be very sad if that was true. Because <laughs> that was my enthusiasm considerably, but yes, uh, okay. Well, we'll 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 save that for another for another day closer to the draft. We'll talk about some my guys and some scenarios uh, for Mike Curtin at Mike Curtin NFL. Get all of his written work at paulkarski.com. Listen to the Paul Karski podcast as well. That's part of the 440 Network, which we're part of the 440 Network, and then we're also part of the Broadway Sports Network which has uh, the Hot Read podcast, Music City Audible, some good stuff over there as well. A football show Mondays and Thursdays, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Stay tuned in so you can get access to the NFL draft party where proceeds are going to charity, and it's all you can eat, all you can drink until we run out. And that is hosted by Sinkers, but also Bluegrass, our new sponsor, Bluegrass Bluegrass Beverages over in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Join the in crowd so you can get exclusive perks like discounts, tours, breweries and distilleries, and like early access to special exclusive editions of bourbon and all kinds of beverages. Bluegrass, they've been around since the 70s. That's older than both of us, which is pretty impressive. I mean, that's, the, I think, the first sponsor we've had that's actually been around longer than we have. So, uh, bluegrass beverages they also have a place out in nashville called sinkers so make sure you go over there for mike Kernan, i'm zach lines follow me on twitter at efforts pod stacking the inbox.com four dollars a month make sure you go there this has been football and other f words and you have just been effed 